Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Hey everyone, welcome to uh, Rogue News. It's another Friday, it's another time. It's time for V is for Velas. I want to thank you all for tuning in and uh, welcome to everyone in the chat room. Always a lively group on, on, a, on a Friday, so appreciate all the comments, you guys hanging out with us. If you have not done so yet, please go to roguenews.com. Make sure you bookmark the revamp site. It's, it's really, again, it's a one-stop shop for all of our content. All of our videos are, are live streamed there. Eventually, when you click on that, next live show it'll it'll pop and bring in the the, the live stream that'll be simulcasted across uh, multiple platforms so it's kind of the best place to be uh, also make sure you follow us on twitter and that's at real rogue news and also just want to give a shout out and thank all of our listeners who have delved into my cbd edibles we've had a lot of orders lately uh, a lot of fans that have emailed and said hey got your products i love them thank you for for doing that and again it kind of helps fund our entire operation so mycbdedibles.com. And with that being said, Velas, how you doing, man? I'm good, CJ. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I, I, I hope V's okay. We haven't, we haven't texted or communicated a whole lot. You know, you know, who knows where he is right now, uh, but um, <laughs> he will be back next week. So, you know, no, no one has to worry. CJ did not take over road news or anything like that. V is fine. <laughs> But I'm surprised I haven't got more more comments about it. But so I appreciate everyone's patience, and I know he's excited to get to get back to it. And trust me, if he wasn't so darn busy, he would be here. Yeah, and then we uh, will have have some uh, what do you call it limited coverage next week because you'll you'll be out as well. Yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be a little bit hit and miss, but we will make sure to communicate. Obviously, the bet one of the best paths is to jump over to our Discord channel. And again, if you want to join our Discord channel, drop me an email, CJ at roadnews.com. The link is only good for 24 hours. We we don't do a link without an expiration because we we really don't want that to be used for any trolling and and obviously people who we don't want to personally invite to join our discord group. Sometimes when you have those folks join in those uh, rooms, it's not, not necessarily as fun. <laughs> so Velas, what is on your radar, man? A lot of things are, are happening uh, globally here in the United States. Uh, what, what, uh, what would you like to start off with? Yeah, I got, I've got quite a bit, uh, quite a bit for everybody today. And uh, I'm hoping this is going to be probably one of the, one of the better shows I've done so far. Um, you all will, will pardon me because I've got a lot of detail here and I'm trying to, to tie this all together. I've been kind of rereading my or redoing my notes a bit. Um, and yes, definitely uh, get out to the Rogue News website and similar because, you know, you never quite know with what's going on with the tube. Uh, but you can always find, tell a neighbor, tell a friend, tell a family member, uh, go find the show over on uh, the Rogue website. So uh, a couple of, of housekeeping items before I get into some of the content. Uh, it's that time of year, uh, so for those of the uh, Jewish faith, I hope you had a positive Passover, and uh, happy Easter to everybody this this weekend. For those of you that are of the what's known as the Western Christian faith, uh, and for those of us like Gus and myself who are Orthodox, uh, we will see all of you on May 2nd, which is when our Easter is. And then uh, for those of the uh, Muslim faith, on the auspicious occasion of Ramadan, you begin on the 12th. So a lot of religions are celebrating a lot of... Uh, key dates right around now. Um, want to remind everybody to just breathe. Uh, remember uh, pretty much everything you see on mainstream news, regardless of what, what its supposed political orientation is, is disinformation anyway. <laughs> uh, that is unless what you're listening to is here on Rogue, uh, and that's gospel. Uh, I'm joking. Um, but don't let it get you down. <laughs> uh, don't, don't, don't let it. 
don't let it get you down. Uh, <laughs> staying informed is probably one of the best things you could you can do, uh, especially now more than ever. And and especially as I was talking in last week's show about Rogue, among others, and in um, kind of, I don't want to use the word alternative news, but you all know what I mean. Um, as far as uh, the right information for you to know when you have to make changes or could make changes in in your life. Um, my normal weekly statement. We have no answers on the Nashville bombing uh, from last December, uh, and adding to that, uh, the fire at one of the main facilities for OVH Cloud, uh, Europe's largest uh, cloud and internet provider, back on March 12th. And I'm just going to keep talking about it. Um, special shout out to the sisters at AGD at Ohio University for their support of the show. And uh, very shortly here this week, we're going to be flying a small drone on Mars which has a little tiny piece of the fabric from the Wright brothers plane uh, attached to it. And I think that's, I think that's pretty darn cool. We're about to go fly a UAV on another planet. How much, how much more cool can you get than that? So um, today's content, um, we've got a lot going to do my darndest to tie all this together. So really strap yourselves in for, for this one, folks, the front end of the show, I'm, I'm going to be covering a lot about supply chains commodities, uh, key manufacturing components like microprocessors. And then we've also got kind of a lurking major international affairs uh, angle that's in there. So stay with me. We've got, we got to cover some head fakes here, but like I said, I really hope I'm really excited about this show and I hope I don't screw it up. Um, so um, one of the first bullet points in this section, um, Gerald Salente, for those of you who are familiar with him, he's a rather colorful investment uh, person's got his own his own program. He's uh, been off he, the charts lately. I've been loving his commentary because he's 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 taking lost no prisoners. It. He's he taking has, no prisoners. He, he needs some CBD. He does. <laughs> he is uh, he is manifesting his concern about the country in in interesting ways. But he had a data point the other day that I just thought was like wow, uh, and certainly can be confirmed out there in the public domain. But um, for those of you who may not be aware, uh, the office space occupancy rates in Manhattan right now are 14%. That means of all office space in Manhattan, only 14% is being used. That's, oh my God, I can't even get my head around that. That's that's unbelievable. Um, Zero Hedge had a piece just yesterday about increased in manufacturing production, which dovetails into what we're, covered, we're going to cover today because we've got a lot of commodity shortages, fuel price increases, and similar which is going to lead us to drum roll inflation. The other topic I was talking about last week and last week I went into, you know, the value of rogue and, and the whole thing about how we kind of gave you uh, a heads up by several months up to six months about the fact that we were looking at increasing inflation. So what just came out this week um, earlier this week on blacklisted news was 77% of Americans are now becoming increasingly worried about inflation. <laughs> Imagine that. Um, speaking of inflation, Goldman Sachs announced they're incredibly happy about the recent OPEC deal that was signed a few days ago, uh, where they're reducing, uh, production and so on. Uh, because of course, like any big financial house, they've got a lot of money riding on oil prices. So higher oil means higher inflation. So, um, keep an eye on commodities as we go forward and, uh, uh, certain specific kinds of commodities, uh, keep an eye on farm goods, uh, seeds, oils derived from seed or from you know plant matter sugar especially coffee they've been talking about coffee for a while and then of course the usuals metals and energy um we've discussed on this show a couple of times about you know there's there's a lot of ways to drive up inflation quickly um including tying up supply chains like the suez matter that we saw uh, mm. these last few weeks yep and i've got a bombshell or two for you on the suez so hang on to your hats folks for that one but Along with that whole derivative watch, and again, I'm not saying play the market. We're not offering financial advice here. I'm just saying this this is data to consider both in your personal life and planning. Uh, equally, I'm not necessarily suggesting you go borrow your neighbor's pickup truck and go to Sam's Club and load up on stuff. But then again, you may want to. Um, they are anticipating, um, Department of Agriculture and others, they are anticipating in 2021 that we are going to have reduced yields of farm goods here in the United States. A number of reasons for that. Not gonna, not gonna go there. Um, so some of the specific um, commodities and potential uh, impacts. Um, 
I would also remind all of you, uh, if you like, uh, after this show, there was a, a program I did on Rogue back on January 14th, where I covered a lot about um, commodities and investing in international events and similar, and that that might be worth a refresh. So as we've discussed on the show, and a couple other folks have brought this up as well, including V and CJ, there's a need for higher inflation. We talked last week about one of the reasons for that is, is it quote unquote monetizes debt, meaning that you water down the value of debt. And God knows we've run up about five trillion of it just with the most recent um, funding increases out of the U.S. government and bills that were passed. Um, and, you know, again, food prices and, and energy prices are a great way to do that quickly. Uh, always has been. Because it's, it's um, I forget the actual economics term, they call it sticky and non-sticky impacts to micro and macroeconomics. But rather than waiting on commercial goods to be produced in a factory, if you raise gas prices, the, the impact to inflation is immediate. If you raise uh, food prices, the impact to inf inflation is immediate. And the other thing, too, about, about energy, whether that be natural gas or gasoline or diesel, um, the other thing, too, about uh, diesel right now that's important is that means naval marine, uh, that means jet fuel, which is a, a type of kerosene, and fuel for rail. So when transport costs go up, it's a great way to pass that cost to the consumer. Now, a number of you might remember right before the 2008 economic uh, hit, oil prices were through the ceiling back in 06 and 07. We were reaching like almost $4 a gallon here in the United States. And the American public was screaming their heads off and Congress actually had to do something about it. So what happened was the oil industry sh uh, shoved production away from uh, diesel operations into producing more gasoline. Now that brought gas prices down. But what the public didn't understand was is that you're actually more dependent upon diesel in your personal life than you are gasoline to, to drive your own motor vehicle or mow your lawn. Uh, so what happened was diesel prices went up, uh, which impacted jet fuel and rail and, and shipping. So we felt it in goods that we were buying because the transportation costs uh, had gone up. I also noted on a prior show that uh, 2020, roughly, was the year that um, naval marine diesel, which used to contain a lot more sulfur, uh, the sulfur levels had to be brought down to where they are for uh, automotive and, and uh, truck use. We had this same problem in the 1990s when they took the sulfur out of diesel fuel, which acts as a lubricant, uh, a whole host of like, especially over the road, uh, big truck engines started failing and it was good for Cummins and other manufacturers who make that stuff. But we had to replace a lot of vehicles across the United States because they were lacking lubrication. The engines were, were leaking and it was a mess. So right now with everything you see going on in the world, especially when it comes to uh, international transportation, You've got a lot of naval ships that are having to either um, retrofit the engines or replace the engines. And I don't know if you've ever seen how they build most of those ships, but in a lot of cases, they basically, it's like building a nuclear power plant. They build the boat around the engine uh, because it's big and working on it is kind of hard. So uh, that, again, is, a, is another another impact. and It's going to be another, another cost uh, that has to be passed on to somebody. I'm also going to make a prediction that I, I am anticipating we're going to see more global disruptions in supply chains. Uh, it could be the, another Suez-like event. Um, it could be hackers. It could be warehousing. Uh, some of you may or may not be aware there was um, some refrigerated warehouses here in the United States. There's, there's uh, I don't want to misspeak, but there's, there's a handful of companies, maybe five or less, uh, that are really the majority firms that do that here across the United States. Uh, one of them last uh, December uh, had a major uh, computer hack that brought down the refrigeration units in those warehouses and the, and the food spoiled. Now, the mainstream media didn't really cover it, but for those who cover, um, you know, cyber hacking and things, we, we were aware that that had occurred. So if we were to see, depending on what supply chain sort of thing is impacted, it, it could really cause things to get weird uh, in the markets. Uh, for those of you who remember the era back in the 1980s when Iran and Iraq were at war, uh, there was a period there where they called it the tanker war, where any of the oil tankers going through the Gulf that were trying to either get to Iran or Iraq to pick up oil, uh, every time one of those tankers was either sunk or struck by a missile, uh, you could watch oil prices go up like 10 bucks in one day uh, per, per barrel. 
So if we start seeing other events like what happened in the Suez or or coordinated hacking or what have you, it's it's going to be another you know at the simplest level it's going to be another thing that's going to impact prices, but it's it's going to cause all sorts of other international effects. Also keep an eye on rare metals uh, and similar in uh, the green energy sector with all of this focus on on various governments around the world, including the United States, talking about investments in energy-saving energy technologies. If you've ever really researched any of that stuff, most of that tech uses a lot of very exotic materials, and those materials aren't getting any cheaper. The one that really blew my mind recently was is that supposedly there's also been an increase in uranium mining. Uh, I would have thought after the mistakes that were made in the late uh, 70s, where there was these huge stockpiles of uranium and then it was processed and then all the nuclear power plants stopped being built after Three Mile Island. Um, We'll see what happens there. Um, Here's an interesting data point. Uh, Lumber prices are up 188% since spring of 2020. This was due to lumber mills pulling back on production, plus several global tariffs, which have recently taken taken impact. So for those of you who might be uh, writing stuff down, uh, Alan, I'm looking in your general direction. <laughs> um, you know, that's wood, that's raw materials, that's energy, and the list goes on, uh, where we've got either some kind of impact or cost increase or what have you. Um, JP Morgan just this week, in fact, said that they're seeing what they call a super cycle in these commodities. And by their way of looking at the markets, they said there's only been four in the past hundred years. So again, we're gonna we're gonna see a lot of activity there, and and we're gonna have a tax increase. So you know, in conclusion, I'm joking when I say this. Uh, you all should have been in contact with your financial planner like two weeks ago to start exploring. You know, do you raise your 401k contribution? Do you use an IRA or other other methods to deflect uh, the tax hit? I don't know. That's not my area. Uh, but I would definitely uh, talk to your financial planning professionals about about uh, some of these these data points. Um, and when it comes to specific supply chain impacts, uh, I have frequently these last few weeks been talking about the microprocessor shortage, uh, specifically a mm. manufacturer called TSM out of Taiwan. Well, that shortage continues. And you can't even go on Bloomberg or CNBC at this point, folks, on a, on a daily basis and see some other major manufacturer of whether cell phones, cars, what have you, saying that they've got to cut back on production uh, because they don't have the, the uh, parts they need. Now, what's kind of interesting, too, is TSM just announced last summer they're building a brand new facility in Arizona. But, you know, that's going to take a while to build. Um, the other thing, too, that's important to keep in mind is chip makers themselves need chips. So when you're building a computer processor, let's say the one that goes in your your laptop or your your home computer or similar, there's there's other little processing components that go in there. So what I'm trying to convey is it's not just the folks making the computer chips themselves. It's the suppliers of the components that go into making that chip. That also includes even the the wafer boards or other materials that that builds the structure the chip sits on. So it's it's more than just simply, oh, somebody has to pick up the phone and go call TSM and ask them, you know, can we send some people over to help out? The other thing too is, and I'm going somewhere with this, the other thing too with this is there was kind of a diplomatic dust up with Taiwan the last couple of months that I'm sure most of you didn't even hear about. Um, as I often joke, I had to go to foreign media to, to find this. But the ambassadors of Germany, France, and the United States, among other countries, uh, there was some sort of diplomatic meeting where the German ambassador actually brought up to a representative of the Taiwanese government at, at some sort of trade meeting in Asia and said, you know, I would just like to remind the, the Taiwanese representatives that we have sent several diplomatic letters to the government of Taiwan um, to to see what we can do to help TSM get this, this chip problem fixed. And the German ambassador brought up that several other countries have done the same. What was funny was, is the Taiwanese government representative said, and I'm not making this up, their response to that statement in a public forum was, we don't know what's wrong with our mail mail delivery, but we never received those communications. (laughs) Now, this is one of those weird things in diplomacy where it's like you can pick up the phone and go call, you know, elements of the Taiwanese government or any country and say, hey, look, we need your help with this. 
But there's this whole thing about the rules and making sure that diplomatic communications are exchanged to say we're really serious about whatever this issue is, or in the case of Russia recently, where we're calling our ambassador. I just think it's funny that uh, Taiwan is basically telling all of these governments around the world, we just haven't had a chance to go through our mail yet. Um, because that says to me, that to me is kind of the, the poker playing tell there. It's like, is this really a, a manufacturing problem or is this kind of what I alluded to before, that this is Taiwan putting pressure on the international community to say, China's looking like, you know, due to a number of criteria, they might actually be coming across the straits and making a move on us. We hope you all understand what happens to the world's economy if if we get shut down. Um, now, there's more, more to this topic of these processors, which is what? The number two manufacturer of microprocessors in the world is a company called Renzis Electronics, and they're out of Japan. I'm not joking. Guess who caught fire on March 21st? Hmm. <laughs> and the hits keep coming. So... On this uh, topic, so we have the ship that got stuck in the Suez, uh, the Ever Given, which is kind of funny because it's part of the Evergreen shipping line. And, and uh, I was looking up the registry of, of ships. It's online. You can go look at that stuff. They all have like a Ever something is, is the naming convention for these different cargo ships. Any of you out there know who owns Evergreen shipping? Taiwan. So I'm going to go there. Uh, and to quote from the uh, movie and book series of Dune, uh, the power to destroy a thing is the power to control a thing. We have too many coincidental things that are taking place right now, either concerning Taiwan or Taiwan has the ability to control or impact. I'm not saying Taiwan crashed the ship. I'm not even going to go there. I'm just saying it's really suspicious that all of the world's manufacturers and one of their key single points of failure, which is these microprocessors, they can't get them. Countries around the world who need people to get back to work, let's be blunt, are not able to do that or in a very limited way because they can't get these key components they need. And Taiwan keeps popping up at the center of it. So, you know, as far as fears that China may move on Taiwan, that could be neoconservative or neocon dreams. Uh, on the other side are people like George Friedman and other analysts who've been saying, you know, the world is so interconnected, uh, that would be suicide for China and the global economy. But there's definitely uh, something is definitely being manipulated and managed in that regard. Could be Taiwan themselves, could be somebody acting to convey what what happened if Taiwan's impacted, who knows. But I would be monitoring, as I will be doing, I would be monitoring anything concerning Taiwan right now very carefully. In fact, just this morning, there was a major uh, train derailment in Taiwan, which supposedly is like the worst in the country's history. So God only knows what all this is, but it, it definitely is indicating there's there's more than just coincidental events taking place. So the other topic in supply chains, and this may sound a little funny, uh, but it isn't. Uh, we're running out of industrial adhesives globally. Uh, put another way, we're running out of glue. <laughs> um, now, these shortages began in raw materials that go into adhesives back in 2018. The place where it was most felt was India. And I admit my ignorance. I didn't, I didn't pick this up until I noticed the, the adhesive problem a few weeks ago. Um, the reason why we didn't pick it up in India is because the United States media still considers the world flat and only covers international countries if they're being bombed by neoconservatives. Um, so we didn't really know that, that India was already experiencing this, this adhesives problem about two years ago in their industries and in their economy. There's a number of contributing factors. We've got refineries both in the United States uh, and in other countries because a lot of these adhesives have, have a petrochemical component to them. Um, but it's bigger than just weather impact to Louisiana or, or Texas recently. Uh, we've also had some uh, refinery fires in Indonesia and a couple other countries. Um, now, you know, benefit of the doubt. Uh, in the Northern Hemisphere, at least, we're switching to what's called the summer refined fuels, uh, which, which are cleaner and have more oxygen uh, put into uh, the fuels. Uh, they always have to kind of retool the plants. It's possible somebody, you know, did some maintenance on these plants and, and uh, just made a mistake. But again, I, I don't know about that. Um, 
but many of the world's major adhesive makers are experiencing a variety of shortages. And I don't, I don't mean, you know, glues for, uh, I mean, that's part of it, but, uh, glues for school children. I'm, I'm talking about big time adhesives here. Um, so we have repair and maintenance uses, uh, for these types of adhesives. But the other thing that, that is part of this mix is insulation, uh, foam insulation, roofing insulation, packaging insulation, also spray foam uh, or solid foam as well. So you've got a lot of areas here because, you know, we're talking about, about uh, increasing business construction. We're talking about increasing housing construction. We're talking about increasing global manufacturing. And of course, anything that's built or is operating out there needs maintenance and repair. Well, it's a little hard to do all of these things when all of these key elements of those areas of the of the economy are having some of the most critical pieces of what they do impacted. The other thing I learned in manufacturing is, is that uh, a lot of times a type of industrial adhesive is used when you're assembling something just to hold parts in place until they're screwed in later or, or welded into place later. Um, Again, can't do that if you don't have the right uh, the right tools. We also have a lot of fires that keep seeming to break out uh, at chemical plants and oil refineries. I mentioned the one about uh, uh, Indonesia, and I'm absolutely certain that'll have absolutely no impact on global inflation whatsoever. Um, the other thing too on this topic, uh, but overall goes back to what I was talking about last week. Uh, when it comes to to what we try to do here at Rogue and the different different folks that are on the show, um, several shows prior, uh, I indicated that I I was agreeing with Catherine Austin Fitz, where she predicted two batches of funding uh, were going to be coming out of the administration, one for around you know one point nine to two trillion, and another one for three trillion plus. Um, and you know a, a month or two later, <laughs> where are we? Uh, exactly where she said we'd be. Uh, the inflation topic, you know, uh, we had roughly about a six-week advance notice. May not have been able to nail exactly what was causing it, but that inflation was going up. That's going to have an impact to everything you buy as well as investment decisions you make and similar. Um, and again, speaking only for myself, not not the other folks on on Rogue, but last October on my first show that I did here, um, I talked about unconventional sources to read global events. You know, a lot of that, yes, is websites, but there's other, other sources you can use. And I said, you got to watch the shadows. I said, you got to watch countries and people you don't normally consider. And I, I noted two places last October. I said, Ukraine, unfortunately, has become like a mafia bank. No matter who's in charge in whatever country we're talking about, everyone's going through Ukraine for something. But then the big one, I said last October, and I said in shows that followed, you've got to keep an eye on Taiwan. I said that over and over again. You've got to keep an eye on Taiwan. So I'm kind of coming full circle with what we got on today's show. Um, there are other countries I mentioned at that time that are worth keeping an eye on. Uh, Albania, Bolivia, Peru, and then, of course, the stands, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan. Um, these are, these are all important. I had some coverage on the goings-on in Bolivia uh, last week or the week prior uh, about uh, raw material components that go into batteries and, and that one of the country's former presidents uh, just went to jail for, for potentially leading a coup on behalf of British interests that wanted to make sure they had a solid handle on, on Bolivia's raw materials. There's a lot of really good folks out there in the official, semi-official international affairs realm uh, Friedman, I mention him often. There's Misha Glevny. He's excellent. He does a lot on the Balkans and international um, crime. Um, Robert Young Pelton. Uh, v and I are both fans of, of Pelton. And, and Pelton certainly has been on other programs and has said some stuff that's caused me to fall out of my chair. But for a lot of even these folks, they've got book sales. They've got speaking engagements. And I, I totally, totally get that. They can't bite the hand that feeds them. So there's times I've seen even George Friedman, who I think is one of the most brilliant analysts out there. I've seen Friedman pull back or just not go there when it comes to certain things. And I know in my gut, he, he knows there's more to what he's saying, but he just has to, has to stop. We've, we've got it. We have a little bit more Liberty here with rogue. 
which I appreciate. And that gives us the chance to kind of go into, I wouldn't say rumor and theory, but but to some other areas that those folks can't go because they know the traditional media will, will um, tear them, tear into them for it. Um, so before I wrap this up, I wanted to offer a few more thoughts before I, I give CJ some, some airtime here. Um, this is a bit tinfoil hat, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. Um, if certain major players out there have been playing the long game and are now making their move, and I know that all sounds very Hollywood, but we have global lockdowns due to a bug who is simply not as dangerous as H1N1 or, or similar. And yet governments are so obsessed with their own importance and or proving to the public that they actually know what they're doing. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's just say, for sake of argument, they've overreached, which is not, you know, <laughs> unexpected. But like most governments, and as you know, many of you on the show are aware, I mean, I've worked for a number of federal agencies, but this is as true of very large corporations. It's hard for these folks to ever admit they've made a mistake, especially right now and especially after what's been going on. So can international governments, whether the European Union, the United States or Canada and others, could they possibly in the situation we're in go back to their citizens and say, well, we may have overreacted. <laughs> they, they can't do that. So it's this thing about momentum. You know, they can't go backward. If they open up too quickly, it's a problem. So you don't need to be involved with high-end think tanks to know governments would find themselves kind of locked in a quandary here. You're, you're darned if you do and you're darned if you don't. Um, but the, many agencies out there have been waiting for that what-if moment. You know, I've shared with you some of the work I did with FEMA and so on. And, and to be candid, you know, these agencies, that's their job. So they're, they're concerned about, okay, what happens if California has, quote-unquote, the big earthquake? What if we have another Hurricane Katrina-like moment uh, in the Gulf Coast? What if we lose the power grid? I mean, that's what all these big binders are, are sitting on shelves in government to, to go grab if something like that happens. So when spring of 2020 occurred, that was kind of it for a number of agencies and the government. It's like, okay, we, we oh my God, we've got the big, the big bio problem. Now we're experiencing unbelievable economic impacts, as I just outlined. And on prior shows, I, especially uh, last week, week, week prior, I've really gotten deep into the whole thing about what was going on in the telecommunications space, um, because that definitely is, is somebody or buddies are targeting in a big way other players out there, where we're just kind of in the audience here as we're dealing with billionaires arguing with each other to kind of paraphrase Matthew Arad. Um, and I also have a feeling there are some really private contractors out there getting paid a lot of money. When I look at all of these factory, factories, power plants, and ships, uh, all having all having these problems, and then we've got the unknowns about the future economic model. Now, with all due respect to London Paul, and I respect where London Paul comes from, you know, Paul's narrative is is they don't have one. <laughs> that like that's that's part of the lie is them trying to convince people, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. We've got a we've got a new economy coming. We just haven't told you what it is yet. So what's next? This is my lead into what's next. And these are the questions that are unknown. Do we have major supply chain problems rest of year? I believe we will. Um, also, by the way, I posted it on um, Discord. Um, and definitely, as, as CJ was talking earlier, um, get on Discord, folks, um, because we got a lot of content from myself and others that are, uh, that are out there. Uh, for instance, to this, to this point, uh, Visual Capitalist, which is a great website, uh, I posted on the Vellus section of Discord. Um, uh, wonderful timing. Just this week, they posted uh, a nice big picture, series of picture diagrams that shows all the, all the uh, naval maritime choke points and secondary choke points around the world, where if something happens to those canals or what have you, we're, uh, we're in some serious problems. So that's, uh, that's a good piece to go take, take a look at after, after the show. Um, do we have any kind of, oh my God, event like power grids? Um, what are fuel prices going to be by the summer? Are we looking at uh, outside of, say, Boston or California, who have to use the really high oxygenated fuels? You know, are we looking at 350? Um, I'm sure that's people are going to feel that. Um, and I'll go there. Do we have any sudden disappearances of global leaders? We just talked last week uh, about a number of African leaders 
who were in opposition or asking a lot of questions about the way in which the World Health Organization and others were trying to handle the current, we'll call it a situation, uh, and they're not around anymore. Um, do we see Joe Biden finally leave office and who becomes vice president once Kamala Harris becomes president? These, these are unknowns. Uh, the unipolar and multipolar world, where Matthew Arrett and others have been covering that extensively. Uh, what does our world look like by December? Because the forces behind both of those two camps are just, they're not going to stop. They're going to keep doing this until they finally decide who wins and what the future looks like. So in the end, uh, we are, we, I, uh, all of us, we're on that journey with you. Um, and we'll continue to keep, you know, pulling these things apart and looking at them and trying to decompose them in, into some type of narrative, much like I did today about the uh, Taiwan piece. So uh, CJ, I'll step back for a second. And that's, that's a lot to digest. Um, CJ, you got some, got some thoughts or comments? Yeah. Uh, great uh, commentary, Velas. Uh, you know, very informative. And, uh, and I agree with you on all fronts. I think there's, there's, there's numerous things, but uh, stepping back to the original conversation in, in regards to some of the advice in terms of, individual sustainability. I think it's very important in regards to assessing what that supply side is going to look like. And, and again, prioritizing that is obviously is, is everyone tuning in your individual health. Um, the second portion of that is, is securing your, your food supply. And it, it does take a little bit of uh, additional work. And I, by all means, need to need to practice uh, what I preach and what I'm saying, but I would definitely start look for uh, a lot of um, communities, you know, have these uh, basically these these events where you can go and get fresh uh, produce and and support your local farmers, uh, you know, you know, support more of your local farmers versus the very corporate type uh, farming. And, and again, it, it does require a lot of work because you have to, you know, Google or, or, or whatever your search engine is and figure out where these are, are happening. Uh, so I would, I would start assessing that even if it, even if it means maybe even having a, a small uh, garden yourself. And there's numerous things that are going to impact that, whether, you know, whether you believe in regards to that we are entering a, a solar uh, minimus that could significantly impact growing um, in, in numerous areas. Uh, that, that's, that's one thing to consider. Uh, another another thing that's interesting to assess, and I didn't I didn't uh, come up with this information from my for myself. I I, I borrowed this, and there's a, a great podcast that I encourage everyone to go listen to, and it's called "What Is Rent Sinking," and it's uh, with Michael Hudson and Pepe Escobar, and it and it's a great breakdown. I had to go through it two or three different times to assess it, but one of the things that hit me, and it's in regards to land. And and repurposing land and what that could mean is is either integrating vertical grow or cleaning our food supply by coming up with you know aquaponic systems and you know people are coming up with these pretty darn neat things and it, and it kind of it tied directly into is well why is why is Bill Gates buying all this farmland why is he why is he doing all these things and it, and it made me think right away this is my speculation but if he becomes the largest you know, farmland owner in the United States, he could literally block any type of land repurposing um, for for different use, whatever that could be, whether it's whether it's bringing manufacturing back to the United States. And it's complete speculation on my part, but I just I just want to put that out there because it, it, it kind of ties into it. But I, in fact, London, Paul and I have been, you know, really breaking down some of the conversation in regards to uh, that that podcast because there's there's a lot through it to to chew on. In other words, you can take a, a 15 minute section and 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 break that out into an hour uh, discussion. And then the other part is in regards to some of these hot spots that are occurring that you alluded to. Um, I think Taiwan could get really ugly in terms of any type of of escalation. I think there's the United States would struggle in terms of finding a proxy uh, to leverage to use there because. China, for the most part, has really been able to shut off any type of of uh, of ISIS or Al Qaeda. You know, you know, a large part of that is filtering out the Uyghurs of people who have done training in Afghanistan and obviously trying to infiltrate China and bring bring that type of radical jihadists into into China. But one area that keeps coming up, and and whether it's U.S. propaganda or its ability, and I and I think I think it's in part that. That very well, the deep state, whatever, could look at look at it as literally as a, as a wasteland. Um, not that I'm referring to that or or the people is is Ukraine. 
Uh, we know in Ukraine that we can leverage NATO. We can leverage certain proxies in that area for some type of uh, military uh, excursion, some type of, of, of an event um, to, to happen. So, and, it, and it's popping up in recent news as, as well. Um, in regards to what's happening in in Ukraine right now, so just just keep your eyes on that, and and I think the communication is just going to become uh, so important in, in terms of how we communicate, how we how we reach our audience. One thing that's interesting is happening, and and I found myself as a as a as a media person, a commentator, one of the the sites that I would go to for really boots on the ground type reporting uh, was Periscope. So. Uh, so so people had the ability, whether it was a protest or a riot or, you know, several of the events that unfolded this past summer were individuals who were just streaming on Periscope where you could really get accurate boots on the ground reporting. Well, guess what? Uh, Twitter is ending Periscope. So yep. so per- Periscope ended, you know, we're on it right now. I'm da- sure the days are numbered and I've I went to Twitter and and looked to see if they're going to allow for live streaming to that page or the ability. So they're the the, the revolution is not going to be televised. <laughs> the revolution is not going to be televised. So you know you're, there's going to be uh, communications that need to be established. And and I think why this makes it critical right now in terms of assessing and shoring up your home front in regards to what that looks like is listen. You know, as as the world evolves through this massive paradigm shift that's that's occurring right now, we're going to need people to come together, uh, it, whether black, white, Jew, whatever, across across political alliances or affiliations and all that, getting to understand that humanity is going to struggle through this, and there's going to be certain parts of 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 North America of of the world they're going to struggle a lot worse than our we we worse than we will, and it's already starting to happen. Hence. The migration, right? When you see people from Central America who are beginning the massive, uh, you know, to try to avoid and try to leave those areas, some of those areas will be the the, the hardest hit, and that's why it's important to, you know, to kind of under, under, understand and assess that what that means, you know, to our border and America's attempt. The last piece that I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna before I transition back to you, Velas, is something's hint, very interesting is happening here in the Midwest. We are having several restaurants who are literally having to close or to operate just two days a week. And I'm not talking just, I'm talking about restaurants that have been around for 20 plus years, corporate supported restaurants. And what's happening is they're struggling to find people who are willing to work, people who are willing to work for those wages. And I think there's going to be more of that because people are going to see if the government is willing, if the government is willing to, to keep funding extended unemployment benefits, willing to pay out money, I think that that, that low end wage type job is, is just gonna become that much worse. So, so I just wanted to throw that out there. It's just something we're experiencing here. I've been to a few restaurants, talked to some restaurants owners and, and they've kind of expressed the same concern that, you know, hey, look, we, we, we struggle. My, my dedicated two or three people we have on staff are really burnt out because they're having to work every single shift. Uh, several restaurants that have, have have really struggled. There's a a, a brew place. A, it's a it's a burger joint that literally is down to two days a week because they just don't have enough staff to keep it open. Fellas, you you. It's interesting you said that because you you and I are both in different spots of the Midwest, and I've not seen the closure. But as soon as you started talking through this topic, some bulbs started turning on in my head. What I have seen in my section of our part of the country is there's not a single uh, general kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just like businesses where where traditionally, I hate to use that word, but traditionally you had like high school kids and other folks that work there, you know, fair amount of turnover, but that's just kind of of that business model. Um, There's not a single one of those establishments in my area that has has gone from the part-time sign in the window to like a professionally done sign and website saying we're hiring. Um, I've seen them offering hourly rates that are pretty darn good. What I've seen in my area of our part of the country is a reduction in hours, which is kind of similar to what you're saying. Uh, And it isn't because of health, you know, orders by the governor or what have you. Um, It's just they can't stay open. They can't open earlier than and they can't stay open later than because they don't have the workers to do it. So, so yeah, same thing, but in a different way. 
but that's that's definitely a good observation. One of the things I've heard from some parents, which which you know, again, these things are never um, a one to one correlation. That it's well, it's this. You know, I mean, that's very very rarely it's that. But one of the factors I've heard is I've I have heard a number of parents making comments to me about well I don't I don't want my kids working there because you know COVID and everything and it's like okay <laughs> so that's that's the other thing is you got folks who would work but they're worried about working in an environment where you're coming in contact with with the public a lot on your two other or on on the good comments you made I want to comment on the land topic and the and the uh, staying informed topic the land thing. Another one of my famous analogies. Um, there was a guy I knew growing up, and his dad was an incredibly successful uh, real estate agent. And we were having one of those those highway loops, you know, that go around a major metropolitan area. And if, for those of you who know the interstate highway system, you know, if it's two digit and it ends in a five, you know, it's up and down. If it ends in a zero, it goes east to west, and and various renditions thereof. So they were they were building a loop around a city near me. And what my friend's dad did was instead of trying to buy chunks of land where he thought the highway was going to go, thinking of of a circle on a piece of paper, he just he just bought land going horizontally across. And so what happened was is when they were building out the highway, they realized he owned a fairly critical piece of it. And they couldn't go around him because it wouldn't be a circle anymore. <laughs> it would look like an almond. It's like that old Bugs Bunny joke where he refuses to move from his hole. So the, the highway goes, goes around Bugs Bunny's <laughs> hole in the ground. Um, I've seen this done before. Uh, and it, it also makes me wonder about what Gates is doing because the other, uh, the other precedent or, or historical analogy to this is we've, we've seen this, especially in the American context. There's, there's a lot of cowboy movies about this. The famous movie, Once Upon a Time in the West, which is considered like one of the most classic Western films ever made, but what's its its main premise? Say it with me, folks. There's a railroad going through the town, and a guy who gets killed was the guy who owned the land. And everybody kept thinking, well, he buried gold there. He's got water there. There's something there. And it's like no one realizes that, no, the real value of the land is the railroads going through there. So when it comes to Gates and others buying up all this farmland, I'm not saying that, let's say, for instance, hypothetically, that the, the big infrastructure build is is going to build new highways across the United States. I don't I don't know that that's the case. and I don't know why we would do it. we got to fix the ones we have. But if, quote unquote, something uh, is going through those areas as well, not just as a hedge by Gates and others, because land, you know, I don't want to say it's impervious too, but but owning land is one of those things you do when inflation is going to go crazy. But the other angle of it is, is some of that land Gates is buying could be areas that I don't know. There may be high-speed fiber optic that's going to go through that area or whatever, and you're going to have to pay him through the nose to get to get access to it. Who knows? That's just another possible angle. The other thing, too, is this, this access to information and these different platforms. Um, let's go there. Uh, there's been some chatter on another board I'm a member of where people have been talking about the fact that Discord uh, might get purchased by Microsoft. Now, I joked about this on a prior show where I said that there were some private equity people I knew that were joking, if, if this is the plan, we should just start setting up all these different center-right, center websites and, and platforms around the country. And once they become popular, we'll just make Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos pay us through the nose to buy them. And then that's our profit model. We just keep creating places where you know conservatives and libertarians and Greens Party people will go. And every time they see some place that they're not controlling the media, we'll we'll make them pay us off, pay us off. But there's some truth to that, and it also kind of reminds me of in the world of of hacking. Um, there are certain kinds of hackers that they've got these uh, these tables or these lists of backdoors and uh, ports, as they're called, that allow them to get into certain networks because the port ha hasn't been closed or its security is weak or what have you. And so every day as they do their thing, they start working through these various known ways to get into or through certain networks. Now, as, as security people get better and, and fix some of these, these folks have to go find all new ones. But that's, that's part of their day is, is that for every uh, backdoor they have a way to get into something, half of those get closed by the end of the week, and then they got to find a whole bunch of new ones. 
this again goes to the other conversation I've had with all of you where, where I've spoken to friends of mine who've come to me and said, this is, this is driving me nuts. Every time I get on the internet and I try and find you guys at Rogue, you're on a different place. And I got to reach out to you and ask you, okay, where are you guys now? But I keep telling these folks, it's like, but that's why, like with Mike Moore, you know, I mean, Mike, <laughs> Mike's using everything from 1-800-NUMBERS to everything else to make sure folks folks will find his program. But with Rogue, it's like, you've, you've got to go to the website. I mean, we had, uh, we had 100,000 plus people on the other Rogue channel. And then because of, quote, the incident, we got pulled. And now we're over here at Rogue Media. And I love all 90 of you who are watching this program dearly. But, you know, we've got another 99,000 uh, listeners and fans of the show out there that that I don't know. They may think we're not even on the air anymore until we get to, as, as CJ corrected me last week, until we get to April 29th. But this this is the future for right now, everybody. You're, you're going to have to, I know I sound like a repeating record, for those of you who know what a record is, um, but you've got to keep checking every week. I know uh, uh, Frank over it, quite frankly, you know, he, he got to the point on his program where it was like, that's it. I'm not battling uh, with YouTube anymore. Uh, I'm going over to the, the D live and setting up over there. And I, and I also know there are folks out there who say, well, I don't like D live because of this, or I don't like Patreon because they kick this other person off or what have you. It's the world we're in. But in the final analysis, like, you know, we, we, and when I say we, I mean, CJ, we'll do the best we can to make sure that like the Rogue News website is there. And that's, that's your single point to go to find out, you know, what other platforms are we on and similar. But I can't say this enough, whether it's us or other folks in the alt community. And I'm, I'm channeling CJ's comment about, we got to, we got to pull together. I mean, I, I made that statement a couple of months ago where I said, look, we can all worry about our revenue streams and everything else later. Right now, we've just got to see which which of us out there are doing what kind of content. You know, more more does his thing, and and other folks out there do do theirs. And and uh, Frank, from quite frankly, is is a guy out in New York who, when he's not doing uh, physical fitness training, is is you know commenting on a wide variety of topics or sitting around a campfire with his buddies on Saturday night, smoking cigars and having a live feed. Um, this this is this is evolution. In communication, folks, we're 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 literally looking in the petri dish and watching this as it evolves. But we have to also continue along with my narrative about you know look for this coming down the road in in our future. We have to continue to plan on the fact that certain sites are going to go down, certain platforms are going to get bought. Um, I'm joking, but I'm not. I mean, it's like you know CJ. Uh, I think I even made this analogy on a prior show. Uh, you and I and V and Gus should get some capital and we should just start setting up websites that, that have purported content that we know is going to make Silicon Valley upset. Like Silicon Valley sucks.com. I mean, they'll buy that one real quick. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's our revenue stream, man. Uh, I can, yeah. I can stop doing consulting work and we'll just, we'll just, uh, we'll just uh, clickbait uh, Silicon Valley right back. Ooh, ooh! I got a website dedicated to uh, uh, Bezos's uh, uh, foil, uh, human foibles. Let, let's let's do that one. So I got a I got a few more uh, uh, points here I wanted to make, and then and then uh, CJ, you can you can bring us home. Um, uh, just a few more more awareness items, folks. Uh, on March twenty seventh, uh, a number of you probably saw this: China and Iran have signed a four hundred billion dollar deal where uh, China will invest in Iran and Iran will pay for that investment in oil. Um, be interesting to see if we see more deals like that. Um, a friend of mine asked me, well, well, do you think they'll do the same thing with Venezuela? I've talked about Venezuela before. Venezuela actually has several problems. Uh, one is geography and the other one's physics. Uh, Venezuela is on the wrong location in South America. They're great for a point of contact for the United States. Not so good if you're not getting along with the United States. Um, and their oil is one of the highest in sulfur. So it takes a lot of refining to get that sulfur out of there. And as I alluded to earlier on today's show, you know, you have international standards now that say both gasoline and diesel, uh, even naval marine diesel now must have very low sulfur or, or practically no sulfur content. And the only country in the world that can refine that stuff to get the sulfur out is the United States. China kind of can, but the logistics of getting it there just makes it not worthwhile. 
And from the category of fighting back, uh, I told a number of you a week or two ago about two weeks ago uh, about the teachers in Loudoun County, Virginia. That's a very wealthy area. That's an area of Virginia where a lot of folks that work in the Beltway live. Uh, and I talked about that the teachers, which is still mind blowing, were targeting and doxing parents who were opposed to their curriculum. Uh, and for those of you who may or may not be aware, you know, doxing is is they come after you in a variety of ways. They look for you on social media and make disparaging comments about you. They, they call your bank and say they think you're a bad credit risk. Um, it's kind of like Scientology. Um, anyway, um, well, those teachers got together and uh, worked with lawyers and then worked with law enforcement. And now those teachers are being investigated by the Virginia Bureau of Investigation. So just a reminder, uh, know the battle you're in, uh, concert, consult with the right kinds of attorneys and IT forensics folks. And if you have a, ca a case or a complaint or a filing, uh, when you when you go in, you pull the trigger, you go all in. But I think this is going to be a watershed uh, event when we see what happens, because when you've got um, union organized teachers in a particular but yet major area of the United States, and now 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 they've got a problem because now the lawyers are involved, now state investigators are involved. Uh, it begs the question how many similar groups across the United States are now gonna second guess whether or not they should do something similar or just be quiet. Um, the president of Honduras, rather stunning, uh, his brother was sentenced to life in prison over drug trafficking and machine gun ownership. That was this week. Um, and then another topic I'm fond of talking about, um, and speaking of surviving deep spiritual challenges uh, in my inability to drop the Epstein topic, um, somebody found another witness for Ghislaine. This was the topic you saw in the news about the 14-year-old uh, girl, or at least at the time of those events. Um, I still agree with Mike Moore. I think somehow she's going to get out of this. Uh, there's just too much blackmail that she and those with her have and Eventually, they're going to have to find some way to cut her loose. Um, but we may still have some significant revelations before that occurs. And the other person I talked about last week, uh, Les Wexner, the founder of the Limited Group, which is the clothing companies, including but not limited to Victoria's Secret. Um, he was a partner of Jeff Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. He provided Epstein a number of homes. And at one point, uh, Jeff Epstein was the sole uh, financial investor for Les Wexner. Um, Wexner this week sold off his last shares in the limited group, and he is not running for a seat on the board again, which a number of people have taken that as significant. Uh, what's interesting of a person like that is Wexner has his own uh, arts center named after him at Ohio State. He has a medical center at the university named after him. And of course, he's made large contributions to the business college. And just for reference, he's the 86th richest person in the United States. Now, again, I'll give credit where credit is due. Ryan Dawson, who <laughs> transmits from his bunker in Japan, I'm not making that up. Um, he does a great job of articulating a lot about Wexner and Epstein. And as I mentioned on last week's show, Ryan is the guy that you can go to his website and go get one of these big poster boards. Um, I mean, the thing is like, what is it? It's like three, three by four feet. It's huge. And it shows everybody Epstein was ever involved with, every bank, every bank transaction. I mean, it's, it's all there. And so I'll leave that to him. But one of the things Dawson brought up recently was, is that the other angle that's come to light is that Wexner for years was laundering money through Ohio State. And the tragic thing is a lot of universities have been used that way. So that's yet another example out there of on my other favorite topic of laundering money. Um, but it's not just less because his wife, who's about 30 years younger than him, she's still on Ohio State's board. <laughs> and he's got several other family members that sit on various standards bodies and boards and charitable giving uh, things around the United States. So the tale goes on, and it'll be interesting to see if some of the revelations that are putting pressure on Ghislaine are really uh, the real intention, the head fake, if you will, is to go after uh, Les Wexner. But we will we will see. With that, CJ, I turn it back to you, sir. 
Well, I just want to thank you for a great conversation. also want to thank everyone for tuning in to another V is for Velas. Uh, great commentary today. So, uh, Velas, appreciate it. And keep it locked and loaded right here on Rogue News. We have Hanging with Harley coming up next. Uh, so uh, jump over. I know Harley's going to have a lot, a lot of things to say as well. And, um, again, we'll keep you posted as to any updates in regards to the shows uh, for next week. I've already received a few emails in regards to the Discord channel. So, again, if you want to go behind the scenes with Rogue, uh, share articles, news, the communication. And I try to post when the shows are coming up. Every once in a while, I just completely forget <laughs> to post it in there. Uh, send me an email, email cj at roguenews.com. I'll send you a link, and from once you get the link, you have 24 hours, which is you know usually plenty of time. So everyone have a great afternoon, a wonderful uh, weekend, and we will be back here shortly with Hang With Harley. Uh, Velas, thank you so much. Thank you. Take care, everybody.